We've got, you know, great online resources for people, fantastic webinars people can tap into. You know, there's online yoga, there's all of those lovely things that you, you can do, but the psychological safety is really the most important bit, I think, of all of that. You know, people really do need to be able to, you know, struggle safely. And if you don't have that in place, then people can't really thrive as well. So that piece about being able to bring your whole self to work and everything about it, <laughs> you know, good, bad and ugly is, is, is really important. Well, hello and welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Finding Equilibrium show. I'm delighted to be here, delighted you're here, and of course, delighted to welcome my guest today, who is Kate Colley. Kate is the head of people and culture at Australia Post uh, Corporate Division. And thank you so much, Kate, for spending some time, because I know you're super busy, as are all of my guests, it seems. So I think we're getting busier and busier. <laughs> but where, where are you today? Where are you speaking to us from today? I'm, I'm speaking to you from downtown North Fitzroy in Melbourne, um, which is a, a, a nice part of nice part of town, and starting to look a bit festive out there, Lawrence, um, as we head into. I Christmas. know it is. It is. It still feels. I don't know because I've I've still got the northern hemisphere kind of mindset around Christmas <laughs> being cold. So <laughs> Christmas yes. in summer is still new for me. But listen. Um, it's wonderful, wonderful to, to have you on the show. And for people who aren't familiar with uh, with you and your work, I mean, clearly you have a very big role. And I know you spent a lot of years in um, in um, uh, um, uh, NAP. So, uh, so, and 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 I think what's really interesting is how you've seen the evolution and the change of the HR function over those years. But I'd love you to introduce yourself uh, to our audience for people who aren't familiar with your with your work. For sure. Thanks so much, Lawrence. So I've had the pleasure of working in HR for most of my career. Um, and most of that's been in banking and finance. So um, as you mentioned at NAB, I've, um, I've worked in Australia and also over in Asia, um, which was fantastic. And, and, uh, and I've really loved most of my career spending time with leaders and in organisations working on their people and culture strategy. Um, a firm believer that um, you don't get anything done except through people. And um, so that focusing on the people is, you know, absolutely paramount. And, and I've been so lucky to have worked with some brilliant leaders over the years who get that and, um, and who really um, understand it's really important to put the right environment and culture in place to help people thrive, you know, and... Um, and also to help them struggle safely. So in, in my most um, most recent gig uh, back at NAB before joining Australia Post, I was um, the executive for health safety wellbeing for a couple of years. And um, certainly through the start of the pandemic and, and as we, we sort of all navigated COVID um, and never before has it been more important to focus on that well-being of people and um, and really um, ensuring we're, we're creating an environment where people can can be well, or if they're not, you know, to struggle safely. Yeah. Mm. Did you find, so maybe that's a good place to start, like in your career, I'm very curious and interested to understand because you've 
been in HR and your philosophy is very aligned with my own philosophy around the importance of people to get anything done because there's always a person uh, involved in uh, at some at some point in the in the process <laughs> but in the past and I'm talking from my own experience here you find there were always a, a, a number of people who got that and really yeah. understood it and I'm sure these are people that you alluded to yeah. but there were many people who didn't necessarily yeah. understand it or when it or understood it at a um, an intellectual or conceptual level but didn't kind of understand it when it came to the actual behavior and action have yeah. you found that um covid or the pandemic or the experience of disruption and change has that really changed people so people you're finding that more leaders more managers really get it and are therefore adapting their behavior um, based on the current context i'm really curious yeah. your experience yeah absolutely absolutely i mean you know i think if i look back over the last 20 years we've come a long way when we think about leadership and the role of a leader, um, you know, if I, when I first started started working, you know, that concept of bringing your whole self to work didn't really exist, you know, mm -hmm. and and people often felt they had to have a front for work. They were one person at work and one person at home, you know. It was very difficult for women to navigate family and work, um, you know, difficult for blokes too, of course, um, but really challenging, I think, for women. Um, and the world has shifted a lot. And the pandemic, I actually think, has been, or, albeit not a positive experience for anyone, um, but has had some incredible positives come out of it. And I think we've been able to shift culture 10 years in two you know, because people have had to. And so if you think about all the things we've been trying to do in the people and culture space around inclusion over the last year, you know, so many years, um, all of a sudden, you know, people had to work flex flexibly. People leaders had to support it and find ways. So, you know, where it used to be why, you know, it's kind of why not, you know, why not? Um, you know, you, you certainly have proven that people can really be flexible and adaptable um, and deliver, you know, continue to deliver great performance. And I think from a leadership perspective, where we may have had people who doubted that in the past, you know, maybe their experience, they hadn't had some great experiences in, in that, they didn't know how to lead people in that environment. I think people have really learnt how to do that. And where we see, you know, businesses really performing and doing well, it's because the leaders have thought very, very deeply, how do I lead in this new environment? How do I create an inclusive culture? How do I communicate more, even though I can't see the person face to face, you know, all those Zoom and all of those lovely things help that, um, but can't physically be in the same space as that person I can still intuitively understand how they're feeling. I can ask better questions. I can create an environment where the team supports each other. And I think it's been absolutely marvellous, really, the, the shift. Um, now, you know, of course, there's always leaders who still don't get it, but mostly, I think mostly people have really come on a, a big journey. And the next evolution, of course, you know, hoping, of course, that at some point um, COVID sort of goes into the background, um, you know, really embracing what we've learned, you know, and, and putting in place hybrid working to create, you know, better cultures for people, better environment. I'm not sure about you, but before COVID, I um, 
I struggled to get home and have dinner with my family. Now, you know, two years actually really doing, there's no way I'm giving that up, you know. No. It's, yeah, uh, it's, so interesting. it's really important to me now, you know, and I kind of think, oh, my goodness, there's stuff I've really missed because of the way we were working, which really mm. wasn't, you know, wasn't good for any of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a, it wasn't balanced, was it? When you look at it now, I mean, a lot of what's happening now is still not balanced, but at the yes. same time, what I hear you say is, it required a burning platform to really change because it is the role of the, the leader. We talk a lot, at, you know, through our conferences, through all of our touch points, we talk a lot about the role of the leader as a touch point because it impacts well-being. You know, so if leaders are role modeling behaviors, then of course that may not be their intention, but people will copy, yeah. you know, what, the, what yeah. they're actually doing. And, um, you know, it, it's, um, it's interesting hearing your your perspective on how that role of, 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 of the leader has changed. And it reminds me because in many ways, everything, it's a real mindset shift because yeah. if you were trained as a leader in the nineties, of course, all of that content or that training would have been very different. You know, I, I, I would have gone on leadership training in the kind of early two thousands. And I don't remember very much that covered emotional intelligence. You know, it, didn't yeah. come, you know, yeah, it was completely right. absent. You know, I learned a lot about marketing sales, you know, some of these kind of hard business yeah. functions, but what we, you know, would call soft skills that was always absent. Whereas now I think the value of those uh, soft skills has really, um, has really. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, um, you'd be familiar with the work of Michelle McQuaid and, and I, I love sort of some of the, the models that she, you know, she talks, talks about and that kind of piece around leadership through a care model. And, you know, that's the, the elements of compassion and appreciation and responsibility, you know, but the really important bit in, in that as well, the fourth one, um, you know, around EQ and, and, um, it's it's interesting, you know, when when I sort of look at the way I was leading quite a big team through um, through COVID, and um, you know, sort of stepped in at the point of March and everybody going home, you know, and um, and the team, you know, had a really great rhythm. They were a fantastic team, had a great rhythm in place about meeting and supporting each other. And through COVID, though, we we really dialed it all up, you know. So we were meeting as a team every morning as a check-in, not for any purpose other than how is everybody, does anybody need support, you know, um, does anybody have anything difficult today that they'd like to share that they, you know, we can jump in and help each other with. And you sort of think about, um, wasn't it funny, why did it take a crisis for us to put in place things like that? Mm. Um, you know, before that, uh, you know, lead, leaders, of course, would check in with people, but, you know, in a fortnightly connect with someone, you know, you, you may not get what you, you know, so that that kind of more human interaction um, yeah. being really important. Um, and I'm a firm believer that um, you can grow leadership capability and you can build people's EQ. And a lot of it comes back to how do you give people real insight to themselves mm. and, um uh, you know, back when I was up in Asia, we we ran a fantastic um, talent program uh, with a with a um, Lisa Stevenson, um, who's a, a fantastic coach and facilitator. Um, a program called Thrive, and and it was all about a longitudinal program, but it was all about giving the person really deep insight to themselves because through that 
we, we you know, really believed that they would come out the other end as somebody with higher EQ, you know, a better ability to, to be able to connect to other people, ask better questions, you know, have deeper insight into the other person because actually they've got some lived experience in some of these areas and, and, um, and it really worked. It's really, it is, it's really yeah. Worked. I'd love to understand that a little bit, a little more. So, who who are the people that you would have gone on that program? Were they kind of yeah. leadership leadership level people? Yeah. yeah. So, well, this was interesting when we were up in. Um, so, I was working for NAVS as the um, head of HR up in in Asia, and we were in lots of different countries, lots of different cultures, and all of our, you know, most of our people in those um, locations were of course, of course local. But we needed the teams very much to be working more collaboratively, you know, we needed to support clients from Australia or big, you know, big multinationals in Asia um, to do work back in Australia. So we needed lots of collaboration across the teams. So we we did grab, you know, we did some, some work to identify who were our kind of top talent, but it wasn't just leadership talent, it was specialist, you know, specialist talent as well. Um, and you know, and whacked them all together uh, because part of the part of the piece was also trying to get people, well, you know, if they knew themselves better and they could meet this cohort of people that they needed to work with, but with different cultures, different backgrounds, you know, they didn't know much about, they didn't know, you know, they, and how do you build that trust? And a lot of it was about um, was about that. And you know, we had a, a great cohort go through that. A lot of it was about one-on-one -on -one coaching with those individuals as well. Once they'd identified the areas they wanted to work on, um, you know, I think all of that in, deep insight and then, you know, ability to actually do something about it, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, is, is really powerful. But it was a very successful program because we, we really were able to create a community and create, a, you know, a cohort of people who had been through an experience together. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's very powerful. And then you think about those leaders and how they can come out of that and, and actually create that similar sort of thing without the program with their team, you know, using yes. what they've learned. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, we didn't do that 20 years ago. And now we, we kind of know that there's real value in that. There is. And I completely agree with your point about real like self-awareness, isn't it? You know, if you understand yourself, then you can play to your strengths and yes. you can put yourself in environments. And I'm curious as to an organization like NAB or, or Australia Post, mm -hmm. like how you would scale that? Because it sounds very simple. And, yeah. um, and you yeah. know, in the past, I've had so yeah. many 360s um, feedback uh, processes. And I guess, you know, if I'm honest, the very first time I had one of those, I was really nervous. I, mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't, you know, it was almost like I didn't want to know, because we tend to, I think as humans, we tend to think uh, in a more negative. So we think, oh golly, uh, everyone's mm -hmm. going to be criticizing me or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But over having had it many times, that has really helped me grow as a person. It's like um, you yeah. know, the, the gift of feedback, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how, how would you cope with scaling that? Because a yeah. lot of people will not have that awareness yeah. and will not, and not have the, I guess, the opportunity to yeah. go on a program like you described, where it's a very, yeah. you know, controlled environment that will give them, you know, yeah. insights that um, and the support around what to do yeah. with it, you know, so what to do with it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we did scale it at NAB, so we we had, um, you know, thrive with something that we 
put across all of our business banking um, world. But, you know, we, you know, it's a very important cohort to the organisation and a, an important cohort to, to invest in. Interestingly, at, at um, Australia Post at the moment, um, there's a big investment also in leadership. You know, I think boards and executive teams um, absolutely understand again that point if you if you want to execute strategy you know you need your leaders to be capable in supporting in supporting the delivery of the strategy but supporting their teams to deliver it you know um, and it's all through the people um, you know I, I think um, I think they get that so we've got a big investment program at the moment in um, leadership at um, Australia Post um, and all you know big cohort leaders across the whole organization and you know it's 35,000 permanent employees big wow. big cohort of leaders across the top of that and and that is starting actually the the first component people go through an assessment um, and it's an assessment centre, actually, so not just sort of the, the, th the 360 sort of um, tool, but something quite, you know, quite tangible. And they have a debrief post that, um, you know, with the assessor and psych assessor um, to really help understand strengths and development areas. And I think um, focusing on strengths <laughs> is also something I think we need to do a lot more of rather mm. than just the development areas but that insight I think is really important that the individuals then go into um, into team cohorts and they get some formal learning but they also have projects that they work on together and use the insights from their learning the insights from the from the assessment to actually support them through that project and part of that is sort of that responsibility to deliver on on you know you get the learning but then you've got you've got something you need to do um, and a lot of the delivery thing elements are broader than your role so you know how do you how do you deliver across the enterprise i think it is hard to scale those programs you know um, but you know, you need to involve the executive and the leadership group. It has to be their responsibility to make it successful. Yes, it, and, it does. Um, and, and it, you know, it does start with the investment. And it's not just the dollars, the investment in time, of course, and an opportunity to fail and to fail safely and to learn and all of those things is really important. Mm. You, you realise when you train, because it does start with leadership, with managers, because mentorship is so important, isn't it? And if you've got people, because we learn by observation, you know, we see behaviours and then we think, oh, that's interesting because ultimately it may not even be a conscious, a conscious um, process. Just kind of moving on from, from leadership and just I'm, I'm really curious now at Australia Post, so you mentioned the 35,000 uh, uh, people and you're, you're responsible for the corporate. What, what does the that corporate. mean? That the corporate yes, so, um, so the part of the business that I work with is, you know, technology area, finance teams, people and culture teams, um, strategy teams, procurement teams, all of the, all of the um, people who support, actually support the broader enterprise to deliver for customers. And so, um, you know, and very diverse group of group of people um, and and often um, you know often needing to make a lot of those decisions for the broader enterprise um, and and you hope uh, you know through through their their people and culture you know we've got to make sure that they are you know we've got great talent in those spaces you know we want to make sure we attract and retain the very best people um, because they might be building the tools um, for the front of the business and um, you know really supporting those 
important frontline workers to deliver to um, to our customers. And one of the beautiful things about Australia Post and the reason I joined AP is that uh, it's just the scale of the joint is, is remarkable. You know, they deliver to every single community in Australia. Um, and they'd, they'd be the only, you know, kind of business that has that, that sort of footprint. And, um, and it's also a very community-based business. So, you know, it's, um, it's there to deliver a service um and uh and you know that's that's quite a lovely purpose to to connect to yeah definitely so how do you manage the i'm curious we, we, we talk about well-being and we talk about health yeah. and safety but because you have such a big and such a diverse work uh, workforce yeah. and i understand the corporate are the mm-hmm. kind of like the central functions and then you've got i guess business yeah. units that are delivering and the people yeah. that we that we would yeah. contact or coming to come in, in yeah. contact with as consumers so yeah. how 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 is well-being managed like how do yeah. you support the not only the health and safety but the um yeah. the mental well-being and and the and giving people the tools to be able to cope with change yeah. and you know chaos and all the things that we're yeah. we're we're, um, we're experiencing yeah for sure well I, I i'm not i can't claim to be there in the health and safety space at um at australia post but we have fantastic um, health and safety team and injury management team um, led by, you know, really state-of-the-art um, team, actually. They're, they're, very, um, they're very good. Um, but the massive focus at the enterprise level around safety and a big understanding by the board and the executive that safety is physical and emotional mental health. Um, and they are, you know, both really important. And, and I think, again, COVID has really raised people's understanding and, um, and, and knowledge of the importance of mental health. So, you know, Australia Post has a very strong focus around psychological safety and, um, you know, building building psychologically safe teams. There's a, a, a wonderful woman, Fiona, who leads up that wellbeing space. And um, she's been doing a lot of work back with the business over the last sort of 12 to 18 months and um, connected into one of the universities. They have been running psychological safety, um, you know, uh, surveys within teams, um, but doing a really grassroots program. So the, the there's individuals from all the different divisions. So if I look at my part of the business, um, we've got the psych safety working groups in each of the teams and they're working on behalf of their business and on behalf of the people there to try and make changes in the way that we're working that improve people's psychological safety. And, um, and you know, some of those, you know, some of those things are big requirements and some of those are quite small. But, you know, when you sort of think about what's really important to an individual um, in an organisation. Like you've got to feel safe, you've got to be able to feel safe to put your hand up and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. And how do you create a culture and environment where people can do that? Um, you know, again, you've got to have a big part of it is you've got to have leaders that create that environment in the local team level. Um, you know, you've, you've got to be able to, kind of provide an environment where people really connect to a purpose and their values feel aligned to what the organisation is doing. And as you were saying before, you know, the leadership behaviours need to be reflective, not just words on a page, um, being a really important part. You know, I think um, 
you know, some some of the, of course, there's there's fantastic tools and resources um, in an organisation like Australia Post. You know, people are able to. We've got you know great online resources for people. Fantastic webinars people can tap into. You know, there's online yoga. There's all of those lovely things that you you can do. But the psychological safety um, it, it is really the most important bit I think of all of that um, you know people really do need to be able to um, you know struggle safely and if you don't have that in place then people can't really thrive as well so that piece about being able to bring your whole self to work um, and everything about it <laughs> you know good bad and ugly um, is, is, is really important important you know and um and of course we've got a great team of experts that can support you know there are some times when people are struggling where the people leaders need help and the individuals need real you know real help so of course you know EAP programs are a given you know an absolute given now um and you know people leaders being able to call an EAP and get people leader support to help them you know support someone um but those elements around thrive I think are really important as well you know so um that that piece about people need to feel that an organization is fair and that it's recognizing people fairly that um that the performance targets are fair and achievable and they um you know and you've got an environment that actually focuses on people's strengths and mm. um and and supports them to be the best they can be and creates great career paths for people and you know all of those elements are really mm. really important um, in any people and culture strategy but from a psychological safety perspective, critical. Yeah, yeah, completely critical. It's it's really it's really interesting because it, it's it's all a balance. Uh, it's yes. a balance between the performance, the business performance of yeah. the individual, and the, and the two are very very linked. Psychological safety. If we could just look at that a little bit a, yeah. a, a little bit uh, deeper, because completely agree. It's almost the the crux of well-being you know if you're in a because it also touches on inclusion diversity belonging you know a lot of uh, a lot of great research on the importance of belonging to feel uh, well um, an organization like australia post or, 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 or nap which are so big and you know there's going to be uh, areas of the business that will, will get it really well there'll yeah. be areas of the business that won't and there's lots of factors yes. that relate to yeah. that some businesses are business units are going to be more in demand or doing better you know like the market will be in different in different areas how how do you track that like how do you know whether yeah. and it's also moving all the time because yeah. <laughs> so, you know, culture yeah. can really kind of shift but yeah. in the part of the business that that you're that you're responsible for for example how how would you know when you look at all of your different um, areas and you've got such a diverse group of um, people how would you know where where the people are feeling psychologically safe or psychologically unsafe you know you're, you're just one person you've yeah. got your your team yeah. around yeah. that but how would you know I'm really curious as, as to how yeah, you sure. how would you pick that up uh, to know whether there is you know a problem and yeah. and you know action uh, is required yeah action required or well, absolutely i mean you, you've got to track it don't you so you know we use of course um engagement surveys and then there are core elements that sit within the engagement survey which you would hone in on of course around kind of indicators of psych, psych safety but we're also now doing 
psych safety um, surveys as well. Okay. And so, um, you know, before the, I mentioned those working groups before that um, Fiona has, has set up within the, within the organisation, they were set up with, with the data. So um, we did the psych safety survey um, and that helped us understand, you know, where things were going well within a particular part of the business or where there, where there were sort of some indicators of concern. And, you know, that might have been, you know, one of the questions around workload, you know, it, the ability to switch off that type of stuff. Um, and in those, those teams are then using that data to try and drive the actions to improve. And we've got a follow-up survey coming up um, again, a check-in coming up again in March. That's the first time I've seen the psych safety surveys used. And again, I think, you know, you sort of think back to COVID has been a lovely trigger for organisations to be thinking about that. And then, of course, you've got other metrics, you know, when people are resigning, you know, making sure you're doing good exit interviews and understanding what are the factors that are, that are driving that. Um, you know, I, I think the next 12 months will be really interesting. You know, there's been a lot of discussion around the great resignation and, um, and I think we're starting to see, see people making big life decisions off the back of not being able to make big life decisions for two years. You know, a lot of people I know are moving house and moving jobs, you know, it's, yeah. a, <laughs> it's an interest, interesting time. And, um, and, you know, psych safety plays into that, you know, I, I think, and there are things that organisations, of course, need to do. You need to manage and, and watch workloads. You know, I think for some businesses, AP being one of them, um, you know, it feels like the front, our frontline teams have been going so hard, you know, for so long. Um, and, you know, the, the, and that is absolutely being managed and watched, you know, as we've headed into this, this um Christmas period or this holiday period, um, you know, actually really, really encouraging teams to take a break, you know, have a digital detox, step, step out, step out of it and forget about it, you know, and and then, you know, that that being led from the top, I think is is so critical as well. And when I was back at NAB last year, we we did that same focus, digital detox. Um, and and I think people stopped and then went, Ooh, I didn't realise how tired I was, mm. you know, and how do I replenish my, my reserves that might have been running at a fairly, you know, fairly <laughs> low stock um, and do all those things that, you know, from each individual we know builds your reserves, you know. So mm. for me it's hanging out with family and friends and, you know, spending time with people. Um, you know, for other people, it might be not spending any time. <laughs> All of those things. My beautiful room here that I hang out in day in and day out, um, I'm quite looking forward not to spending any time in here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, um, but, but, you know, not to downplay it, I think it is a really critical part as well that and a lot of people haven't taken leave and they haven't done those things because they haven't been able to go anywhere um. <laughs> it's so true yeah i think people are very exhausted you know it's uh, it's um because you realize the importance of holidays the importance of breaks but also the importance of change just changing the environment you know like you yeah. say you know you may have a beautiful space but it's yeah. good to good to have a different uh, a different yeah. environment a, a change uh, yeah. is, is always beneficial around yeah. that digital detox is an interesting concept and you hear it more and more and i guess it's a reflection of the fact that a lot of our stress comes from the fact that we're always on 
you know, yeah. you kind of yes. go back. And I remember when I first got Blackberry, which had been probably about 2005, yeah. I, I saw it as a great liberator because I no longer yeah. had to be in the office to check my emails and it was great. Yeah. But of course, with every benefit comes a downside. <laughs> Little did we know. Little did we know. <laughs> exactly. Because back then you'd go on holiday and it was a real holiday, you know, like yeah. no one would contact you unless, you know, there was a, a, a fire or something, you know, like you'd never be contacted. And whereas now we are always on or we're always in touch and we're working in global organizations, which is wonderful. You know, we all benefit from it. But I do feel and maybe detox is part of the part of the solution. I do feel we almost haven't been prepared. We haven't been trained. And uh, and I, I'm really interested how you would encourage people to do something like a de digital detox. Yeah. When I know that it's habitual, <laughs> it's breaking habits, and um, oh, it's very very hard for everyone, young people, like because we're so used to this, and this is how we connect. And um, yes. you know, I've got yeah. a 15 year old son, and uh, yeah. he'll he gets withdrawal symptoms if we, yeah. you know. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's, but and 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 I kind of say it in a light way. But yeah. many people are addicted to devices. Many people, when you see that within an organization, mm. and that is a big oh, yeah. well-being that we feel, you know, we're, fear, we're fear, fearful of missing out or we're, you know, we're yeah. fearful if we, uh, if we leave our phone at home, you know, it all kind of comes back. And this is kind of behavior. Yeah. So how do you support people with that? Is it really just a, like, a kind of encouragement or is it like... Yeah. We know one must send emails. You know, I've seen yeah. various different examples of <laughs> different organizations try yeah. to yeah. You know, tackle a problem, which is a very deep and a big problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, look, I think the, the command and control piece doesn't work all that well. <laughs> for many people, for many people. Um, but, you know, I think it, it has to be about um, giving people permission in the first instance. And I think that's that's the most critical thing that an organisation can do. So you've got to give people permission and then you've got to make it a reality. <laughs> so, you know, I think um, and, you know, I can speak for the, the team that I work in with all of that, all the wonderful business partners who work across um, Australia Post. And we we had um, a great session um, a couple of weeks ago. Whereas a team, we sort of have been building out our team code and um, and our guidelines for how we're working together in 2022 um, as we start to really, you know, put in place hybrid working, you know, which, which we've dabbled in a couple of times over the last couple of years but haven't yet landed on. Um, and, and that was an important part of that, you know. So, you know, giving... We, basically, we've said to, to each other, we, we make a commitment that we won't be sending emails between 7pm and 7am. We use delay. Like, but that's also for some individuals working later in the day and not working in the morning because they might be doing things with their kids or whatever. We, we respect that you might want to work in the evening, but please use delay send, you know. And it's a simple kind of uh, piece because... You know, you read the research and if you've got your phone, you don't have it on silent and you get the ping. And then then your mind says, oh, my God, that's really important. I better address it now, even though there's no one there to actually grab it when you've addressed mm. it. It's sort of all of that piece. So I, I think it requires permission and then you've got to put in place sort of some of the, the tools or the, the agreements to enable it. And so, you know, I think um, 
I, I do like that the fact that some organisations, though, turn their systems off. So you can't, and the only way you can contact someone is to send them a text and whatever, you know, there's no, you know, and I think different things work for different organisations. Um, but I think, you know, as leaders, then we have to role model that. So, you know, it may have been easier for me to send that message, but that's not the right thing to do. I think the other bit to enable a digital detox, you know, um, teams have got to um, back each other up. So if someone is away, someone else is on, you know, and people know that 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 if they've got that, they're not going to be walking back into, excuse the language, a shitstorm when they come back in. You know, I think the all of those little things are actually the, the things that enable people to switch, you know, switch off. My beautiful husband used to take my um, mobile and when we, when we were living in Asia and we'd go away somewhere on holidays, he would take my work my mobile and put it put it in the safe in the hotel room and he'd let me check it twice a week now that whatever works for everybody you know <laughs> yeah no exactly i mean it is a, it's a habit i went on a cruise um whenever we were like i've only been on one cruise and that would have been 2019 and i remember that was the only time in a long time that because you can get it, it was so expensive to get a mobile yeah. signal yeah. so i had 10 yeah. days with no phone and it was Gorgeous. amazing i, I really mm. felt mm. rejuvenated and relaxed so it definitely yeah. benefits you um having that break so you can exactly. see you can see Absolutely. the um, yeah that, and i think people actually learned a little bit in COVID as well about you know the doom scrolling <laughs> so you know in the similar way you can kind of get into that path at work as well where you're just kind of going from email to email to email to email yeah. um at any time of the day um you know and people during during COVID were kind of switched into the news and you know pinged every 15 minutes about there's something new there's a new update but there really wasn't anything new um and, and I think a lot of people learnt to turn that off and stop doing it because it actually wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't good, good for their yeah. well-being. <laughs> yeah, <completely. laughs> still, yeah, still isn't exactly these, still is not good. <laughs> these daily updates. That's, that's really interesting. As, is, as with everything, it's always about balance. It's always yeah. about learning, learning to use these tools, you, learning to use the automated technology that you described so that you, you can give your brain time to recover. I think a yes. lot of things about recovery. Yeah. Just yeah. on that word balance, because this whole podcast is called The Finding Equilibrium Show, so it's all about balance with the acknowledgement that every day, every day, there's going to be uh, things that come along that push you out of balance, but with yeah. the right tools you can yep. find your way back to equilibrium yep. can i ask you what does finding equilibrium mean to you um, yeah. personally and also you know professionally yeah for sure oh it's such an interesting one isn't it so for me it's kind of understanding the things that are really important to me and you know um and for you know for everybody but you know so the things that are really important to me are family you know um it, it's health <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's work and it's friendships, you know, and so um, I've got a good sense of the things that I need. And um, so 
to enable that, I have to take ownership and responsibility for putting in place the things that enable that. So, you know, for me, I do like a little bit of downtime away from everybody and I go for my jog every morning, you know. So if I don't do that, then I don't feel in balance for the day. Mm. So that's really critical. So that means that luckily in the job I'm doing at the moment, um, I don't have an international team. In the in the past, international adds a nice complexity to it. Um, but I can get up early at before the rest of the house and I can get out and I can do my run and I'm out in nature and I'm you know and then I step into my day and I feel in a much better space it's also being able to you know fit in time um, to call friends and family and do those sorts of things so and I've got to do that or I don't feel in in balance you know and so I think for me that's what equilibrium is it's you know it's about I, I love working hard and I love going hard you know and delivering at work um, if I don't have that as well I also don't feel in, in balance. So to me, it's about the things that are most important and enabling those. Um, and when I feel out of balance, it's because one thing's gone too, <laughs> too, yeah. too far, you know. And, and I think um, the reality of working, working life for every one of us is that there's peaks and troughs and all of those sorts of things. And so you can't look at it as in a, in a, a slice of a, yeah. of a day you've kind of got to look at it across a week and a month and um and, and you know and do that yeah. yeah yeah it's a pattern and it comes back full circle to what you were saying at the beginning about self-awareness because it's acknowledging that equilibrium is a temp temporary state but being aware of when you're out of equilibrium yeah. so you can take corrective action as opposed yeah. to and we see this a lot where and this is why a lot of people are burning out is because we're you know, we're not listening to signs and we're continuing and continuing and continuing until we're forced to stop and then we're... Absolutely, absolutely. And you never want to get to that burnout stage, you know. And, and that's the funny thing, isn't it? It's always in the back of your head. You know when you're not in equilibrium yeah. <laughs> something about it you know um, and, it, and again I think in COVID we were quite good at reminding people you know I, I used to have a little a little um, a tag stuck up on my uh, up on my window which sort of had the had those things you know have I been outside today have I called somebody that I loved you know have I called someone who might need help yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know have I you know those various things that are really important <laughs> And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're like tools, aren't they? You know, if, yeah. if you're doing it each day and it's a little things, but if like, like as you described, you know, moving your body, running yeah. is something I do yeah. a, lot, a lot of, you know, talking to people who give you joy, you know, all of that helps you be, be centered so that you can deal with, because in your role, um, it's like everyone's problem is your problem. You know, you're dealing with people and culture. So it's not like uh, there's never going to be a day, I would imagine, where there aren't issues. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be issues. So thank you, Kate, so much for sharing and for spending some time with us today where can people find out more about your your work and and, and follow follow you sure probably best to look me up on linkedin so um yes and uh, and i'm not an avid poster but sometimes i i do share particularly things from the greater good science center which i love and so yeah find me on linkedin Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, I'll put that link. It was a greater good science centre, do you say? Greater good science centre. It's fantastic. Great resource. <laughs> What, just just quickly on that, what what uh, what kind of resources? Um, yeah, they, lots lots about holistic well-being actually. So yeah, it's the Berkeley Uni Greater Good Science Centre, and you know, fantastic 
fantastic uh, researchers and they run great great programs people can tap into and and you can be part of their free research but learn a lot on the way <laughs> amazing amazing resource i shall have i should check that out thank you so much kate thank you everyone for listening we will see you next time thanks so much enjoy thanks, your day Lawrence.